Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about demolition? I am, because after all, we, we are, are the watchers, watchers of movies. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Well, thank you. <laughs> You are so welcome. This is my apartment, but I always, I do like to feel welcome. Yes, I always welcome her to her apartment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I come in and then she goes out, she knocks on the door, and then I answer pretending it's my apartment. Yes. Just kidding, that never happens. No. <laughs> Did I tell you about, I don't know if I've told this on the podcast, but I ever tell you about the game I used to play with my mom that I called Miss? No. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. I <laughs> would tell it again. I'll tell it again. So when I was really little, I used to play this game. I made it up. And it was called Miss with my mom. And it was <laughs> where she would like let me play with one of her purses and I would fill it with like stuff I thought grown women have in their purses. And I would close like a bedroom door and she'd be on the other side and I'd knock on it and she would have to answer and be like, hello, Miss. And I'd be like, hi, Miss. And we would just have what I considered to be like an adult ladies conversation I'll be like and she'll be like well where were you today miss and I'll be like well miss I was at the mall and then I went to the store anyway and the other day I, ca I called my mom for something and when she answered I said hello miss and she was like I haven't heard that forever That's so cute it was oh a very fun like I used to ask her to play it a lot when I was little. <laughs> very little like let's say pre preschool like maybe three or four right right that's <laughs> so cute I used to play with my mom like bring toys to my mom's bed and I'd be like okay but you say this and you say this for this and she's like honey we're not really playing if you're making me do all <laughs> you're making me choose what I'm gonna say and uh that personality trait has followed me into adulthood. That's how you know. You. <laughs> that's how you know your kid's gonna be a writer, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like. I uh, I have like when I used to write online, I had like a vision of the way things like I wanted them to go, and they like never went that way because you know I would write with other people and they have they're independent <laughs> thinkers and like you know their own individuals, and so I'd always be like, fine, I guess. <laughs> It'll just be this way then. <laughs> but it's like, hello, you need to realize that, you know, there are other people that maybe want to do other things and not say the things that you want to say. So, yes, as a writer, it's a great tool. But when you're trying to play with other people, not so much. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it is what it is. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, like, clever person now. I think I'm a pretty creative person now. So either way. You are very creative Thank and you. clever. Thank you. I Thanks. confirm. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So uh, before we talk about the movie, I've been watching the show My So-Called Life. Mm -hmm. Oh, was that with Claire Danes? Sure and... is, yeah. <laughs> so like the one from the 90s or whatever? It's, yeah, yeah. That's I the only it. one there is. <laughs> was um, it early 2000s or 90s? It, like was 90s? it was like 1994, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I so... was just on the cusp of like, I, I bet... I could have watched it, but I was, I remember wanting to watch it, but I was, I was too young. I was like 10 and I, I was like too afraid to ask my parents if I could watch it because I didn't want my mom to be like, I'll watch it with you and then have it be like inappropriate. And then I'm like, oh man, you know, so 
I remember wanting to watch it and just never watched it because I just missed it. Like I was just too young for it. Right. And so it's on Hulu and I started a while ago. I'm going through it very slowly. Like I started it during the pandemic and I got kind of excited because I thought, oh, I've always wanted to see this show. And it grew on me. Um, I didn't care for it at first because very specifically, there was a storyline in like the first couple episodes where the father of Claire Danes was potentially cheating on his wife. Uh-huh. And I think that those storylines are so tired because, well, because it's really sad, but also it's like, no, don't make me dislike this character from the beginning. Like I want, I want the story to be more about her struggles in adolescence and less about like, oh, this is, this is about like her struggling and her dad is cheating. And, and you feel for her mom too, like there's this, like, like in, in the pilot episode, her mom's getting ready to leave for work and the dad's getting ready for to leave for work and he like doesn't give her a kiss goodbye and her mom's like, oh, so this is where we're at right now? We're not kissing goodbye. And you can see that their marriage is kind of crumbling a little bit and it's really sad. And so that sort of kept me away for a little while because I was just like, Ugh, I just don't want to watch like some man and woman fall out of love with each other when, I, you know, and and then and I that, gave that was my struggles with pen 15 it was like just so fucking sad and I was like I was like I can't deal with this right now you know yeah yeah well yeah exactly but then I gave it another shot because it, it was sort of like it is a very well written show and so parts of it like just stayed in my mind and kept sort of coming back into my mind and so I'm like you know what? I'm gonna give it another shot and I feel like maybe the writers also didn't want to deal with it because they kind of wrote that storyline out in a in a creative way. Like he never actually cheated on his wife. He was just tempted. Him and his wife had this like sort of a blow up where they realized where they're, you know, and where they were going wrong and they got tighter than ever. And now the show is more about her adolescent problems. And I know that adolescents do have family problems like that, but it's just really hard to watch when you empathize with some, some of the, the characters, characters. And, and, and I don't want the show to be about cheating because that's so sad and it's, it's really hard like the storyline is just so complicated so relieved because within like two or three episodes they, that storyline was just written out that's good and I think it's a now it's like really growing I mean like I think it's it's a really well written show and I, I think it was only on for one season which makes sense sense because because I thought Freaks and Geeks was an amazing show about adolescent pains and that show was only on for one season as well but um I like it a lot so far I'm only seven episodes in because I'm going really slow like I said but um it's it's really it's I really am I can see why Claire Dane's career was like and Jared Leto's was like skyrocketed from it because his he so far his part is quite small um but her part obviously jordan catalano (laughs) yeah she's the main character is that his name that's his name right yeah and she does uh, like just a phenomenal job like in in their the storylines that they choose and i can just i can just relate to it like having been an adolescent girl at one point in my life i find it very relatable right i totally get it looking at it now in a stage of my life where i'm not an adolescent it's like fun to watch almost because you know in the in the moment you're like my life is never going to get better i am this awkward 
I'm an awkward girl. I don't know what I am. I don't know what I stand for. I don't know what people think of me. I don't know if my life is ever going to change. And then, you know, like now, 20 years later, I'm watching it 20 years, well, more than 20 years after. No, probably about more than, okay, let's say a couple. <laughs> She's supposed to be like 15. So let's say right. more than 20 years past that point in my life, I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, the pieces eventually come together, you know? Like, yeah. Things don't always stay as dramatic and as it is when you're 15. And, you know, you find ways to, like, if you want something, you find ways to make it happen. You know, you're not stuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you can, like, give your own money. So you're doing your own thing. And, yeah, I get it. And um, you know who you are, and you know what you want, and you know what you like, and you and you know you have people who like and love you, and you have, you know what I mean? It's, so it's, yeah, I think being in your 30s is way better than being in your your teens. Like your, the teens is such a just such a struggling time of your life. Like you don't really know who you are, and you're like, and like I had a lot of struggle with my sexuality growing up and even later too until I finally decided that I was queer I thought I was bisexual for a long time but I'm not <laughs> so I decided came out as queer and uh and but you know it was like I'm like I don't know what I want I don't know you know like being a teenager was just rough like ugh, no thank you don't <laughs> I don't go back I, w- I think like I think from like 17 on I I I don't think that sucked as bad for me. Pre-17, yeah. I felt a lot more awkward. about. I, I have always struggled with, like, self-esteem, I guess. Even now, that doesn't ever go away. Or, well, maybe it does for some people. But, it, you know, but I think when I, find, when I got a job, that's when things started changing, when I started working at the theater. And the reason is because I was... Um, I was in a different... I wasn't with everybody who I'd gone to school with for... 12 years who thought I was like weird or just didn't think anything of me. I was with other people and getting other viewpoints, people who are older than me who thought I was cool, which that goes a long way. You know, like when there's like a 22 year old who thinks you're really funny and clever, like that really does a lot yeah. for yourself. So, you know what I mean? I know. Yeah. So like, sure. and then I was making friends you're that like were me, like a tiny 18 year old is yeah. clever and funny. Thank you. You're like, <laughs> You make friends that are like your own choosing. Like, oh, I'm I'm working with people who sort of have the same interests in me because we're working at this movie theater and and we're chatting and and you know what I mean. And it, I think that's when things really started turning around and I started like m- like just my universe expanded, I guess. But yeah, I wouldn't want to. I would not want to go back to like thirteen or fourteen or fifteen oh, even. No. no way. That would. I be... mean, maybe if I had the knowledge that I know now. You know, but then I feel like it'd be like, did you ever see the line, the witch in the wardrobe or read the book? I saw the movie. Okay. So, so they are in Narnia and then they grow up in Narnia as like kings and queens. And so they're like in their twenties or something or thirties. And then they come back to the real world, but they're kids again. And so they are adults in children's bodies. And like, I, like I'm saying, like, if you went back with the knowledge that you have now, how frustrating it would be to be in a teenager's body. It would be awful. Yeah, you yeah, wouldn't want be that. like, I'm 30. <laughs> like, because, you know uh, what I mean? Like, like, imagine, like, if I went back 
I'm being slightly hyperbolic, but if I went back to 15 with the mind that I have right now, so I'm 15, but in my head, I'm, I'm 37 and I've lived Samantha's life up to 37 and, you know, I have those memories. I wouldn't give a shit if somebody in high school or somebody in like junior high, like made fun of me. I'd be like, whatever. I like, why do you even matter to me right now? I know. And that's slightly hyperbolic because I always care what people think of me. But at the same time, it's like those people that you come up through school with, you think are so important. And in your life, most of those people are not that important. Like they're important because they're people, but I'm just saying like from your for your life and your journey, like most of those people, they're not going to be part of it after well, that. And you it's know? like the people that are the ones that are really outstanding or very popular, or whatever, they don't usually have lives. I mean, I'm, I'm generalizing, but they don't really seem to have lives past high school. You know what I mean? Like their, or their lives were high school. And then they realized that like, and I maybe I don't know maybe I'm making this up for movies, but I because I don't know anyone that like that happened to you know. I was well, I just I think friends with the jocks. I think there's like a great evening out that happens. I think mm-hmm. that they they have their own lives, but they're not like kings of campus anymore. Like right. we're all kings of campus in our own way. Like you know what I mean? Now, like when you're 20, who cares who who's popular and who's not you know right but i think that's what happens like it's not that they don't have lives i think it's just that i you find things in your life that are more fulfilling than caring about what's happening in their life yeah or or if they notice you or not almost when i was younger i used to be like i'm gonna stay up on everything that's relevant you know like i'm gonna be cool i'm gonna be whatever and now i'm in my 30s and i'm like Man, I do not give a fuck about that shit. <laughs> like, I do not care who Nicki Minaj blasted on Twitter this, you know, this past Friday. You know what I mean? It's like, who cares? It's just, it's, it's not important. <laughs> it's not important. You know, it's just, it's just vapid bullshit that we're all like way too focused on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So speaking of new, well, kind of newish shows, um, <laughs> I rewatched Mom. I watched the entire thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it had a great ending. It was like series ending. Um, Did she? Can, I need a spoiler because I've watched the show a few times with my mom, my own mom. And I, I thought it was funny, but I just have never watched it regularly. So spoiler alert, I want you to tell me, does she end up with William Fickner? Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Because yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw yeah, the episodes. Married, yeah. I saw the episodes when they first met each other, and I thought it was really like I really liked I the relationship. I did not like him at first because he was such a dick about when they went to like AA together, and I was like, if if I had been dating that guy, I would have dumped him because of what he said. Like it, like I was like, she should she should dump this guy, but it ends up being I end up really liking him later you know I don't remember that but I just remember thinking it was like they had a cute sweet relationship they it's um it kind of takes a while to get to that point like there's a lot of you know tumultuous tumultuousness (laughs) between them (laughs) tumult I think would work (laughs) what is it tumult I think whatever no I think what you said is fine oh okay okay Uh, (laughs) I was trying to think of a different word but then I couldn't think of um but uh I think that their relationship is it's it's a sweet one but I uh this one character um Jill who's played by Jamie Presley has an I don't want to spoil it just in case anyone's out there but 
her ending was like I was really really hoping for this for her and she got it I was so happy I was like yes she deserves it so it was it was it was a great ending it was very it made me very happy it was sweet and it wasn't like it didn't like end end you know like you're you can see these characters like having lives up past this tv show um but as far as like watching a show for seven or eight seasons and like really rooting for these characters and then like having it, it was a great ending for that yeah. oh that's cool that's good yeah. I, I would like highly that. recommend that show to anyone who's listening or you sam because it's so funny it's like and it's a little raunchy too and i like that it's like this and it's it's by the same guys who did two and a half men but don't let that like because that i was kind of like oh gross two and a half men because i did not like two and a half men um not at first at first i liked it but then i <laughs> then i grew into it and then i was like this show's actually really kind of gross and sexist and charlie sheen's disgusting in this role but um it's definitely geared more towards women as far as the raunchiness goes and i appreciate the hell out of that because i love raunchy female driven comedies and i don't think there's enough of them you know it's like there's like there's this girl who i follow on uh tiktok and she has these kind of like raunchy like jokey tiktoks and i could see them being like primarily made specifically for women and it's just like thank you <laughs> you know what i mean like i want that i want more raunchy female comedies because we deserve it you know and women can be just as raunchy as guys you know so yeah anyway that's it nice yeah yeah are you ready to talk about the movie let's do it okay so first of all thank you to isabella listener yes, thank who you so much recommended this movie this actually movie was originally on our list and then <laughs> Because I requested it to be on our list, and then we sort of it our list was spiraling out of control, and so we had a little uh, podcast meeting, and we pared the list down to sort of like uh, tighten the reins a little bit, and it got pushed off. So it was, I was pretty excited when Isabella sent us a message and asked us to review it. So thank you, Isabella. Yes, thank you. So demolition is about a man uh, named Davis who loses his wife in a car accident, and it's pretty much about how he's dealing with the loss of his wife who he was struggling having like feelings for in general you know and he meets a woman named Karen and it's pretty much about his relationship with Karen and him also coming to terms with the feelings he had about his wife and his wife's death so that's what it's about yeah so how'd you feel about the movie I really like this movie. I so I remember I remember seeing the trailers for this movie and I remember they kind of rubbed me the wrong way because in the trailer they isolated this well they talked about like oh Jake Gyllenhaal is destroying his house because he's like just ripping things apart in his grief and everything like breaking things down and and um he's standing in the trailer he's like leaning against a front end loader and the little boy is like you got a bulldozer and he's like and jake gentleman was like you can order almost anything on ebay and i remember seeing that in the trailer and i remember thinking like oh i hate that line and that line really bothered me so i sort of avoided the movie for a while because i am a fan of jake gyllenhaal i think he's he's talented me too and uh so i kind of like avoided the movie and then i saw it a couple of years ago, uh, 
I was at Family Video, which is now a relic. Uh, there's not many Family Videos around. No, there is not. Even the one near us is closed, I realized. Mm-hmm. And I was at Family Video and I saw the case and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a chance. And I watched it and I really enjoyed it because I think the movie is so much deeper than you would guess uh, just seeing the trailer and then you would guess just reading the synopsis. I think it's a really powerful story. I think it's not a perfect movie. Um, there are some stuff I just don't like. There's a lot of like self-righteous dialogue that kind of bothers me. Um, but if you strip some of that away, I still really like the story and I like the character development and I like how it explores the death of a spouse when you hadn't been feeling in love with your spouse for a while. Like, how do you deal with the emotions of somebody that you used to love, but you don't really love anymore currently, but people don't know that about you. And so you're suddenly struggling with death and trying to understand how to express your emotions when you're not even sure what you feel and just the numbness of grief when somebody dies anyway. And I think it's, really good in that regard and I really like how he became like a fatherly figure to the young boy um I think that that relationship was really interesting and sad and and I like uh Naomi Watts's journey as well and uh I think it's like it reminds me of like I think the movie has a Wizard of Oz quality for Jake Gyllenhaal where I think that he has been living in black and white and this grief journey like suddenly puts him in a world of color at the end and I think that that's a really beautiful journey so what what did you think about the movie um I didn't like it I thought you might not like it <laughs> I, as I was watching it I was I, like Lauren is gonna hate this movie I did not like it I pretty much was like I kept checking the time to see how much longer was left because I was really bored I was I I liked certain aspects of it I liked the relationship he had with Karen and I liked the relationship he had with the boy. But for the most part, I was super bored by this movie. I couldn't wait till it was over. If I had been sorry, Isabella, and I always feel bad when people like their movies, but I have to be honest with you. But if I had not been watching it for the podcast, I would have turned it off within 30 minutes because I was like, I don't care about this movie. And I had a, I, I, really had a hard time kind of getting on board with um his like the fact that he it's not so much that he didn't have feelings for his wife so he was struggling with those feelings it was more like towards the end all of a sudden he's like feeling all this grief but I felt like there was no real reason for it you know like it didn't really show any moments between him and his wife that were particularly like um, I don't know, something that he would like hold on to as to like what, you know, that, that would make him feel grief towards her loss, I guess. And I, I really, I really just struggled with liking this movie. I, I thought it was kind of like someone was trying to emulate Cameron Crowe but they just couldn't quite get it you know I can see that I yeah I do that's what I I did that's what I mean when I said I thought some of the dialogue was self-righteous and I agree with you because I think I couldn't put that into words until you just said it but you're right like the conversation between Claire and uh 
Drew. Drew was so much more natural than the conversations like the letter or the phone call conversations between Karen and Davis. So I right. think you're right in that regard, in that small regard. I, I agree with you. Like some of the dialogue really was like too perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I, it actually reminded me a lot of the movie meet bill. Have you ever seen that movie? Okay. It's with Aaron Eckhart and Jessica Alba and Logan Lerman, Elizabeth Banks and Timothy Oliphant. And it's a, it's, it's not the same storyline, but it has like a very similar vibe where it's about a guy and his wife is cheating on him with this, this guy. So he's married to Elizabeth Banks and she's cheating on him with Timothy Oliphant. And he's like really struggling to come, like he's not happy in the marriage anymore. And so he ends up meeting this woman or he ends up meeting this kid, Logan Lerman, who's like working as like an intern at the bank. And they end up having this, this like friendship and it's, pretty fun and exciting and and he ends up hanging out with Jessica Alba like she kind of like comes along to the crew and there's never really like a romantic storyline between them but um it like everything that made meet Bill like so much fun and so great was just totally missing in demolition and I I couldn't stop comparing those two in my mind because even though demolition is about the death of a loved one or loved one I'm putting in quotes um it was more about in my mind it was more about Davis coming to like I don't know maybe being stuck in kind of the same place over and over again and now he's kind of breaking out of that that like like what's that word um monotone kind of life you know and meet bill was a similar idea but meet bill was just so much more fun and it's just so much better and i i and i know that they're not i know it's like you know comparing apples and oranges whatever they're not the same film but they're very similar and i was just like i'd rather be watching me bill you know like i i really had a hard time getting on board with demolition and it really wasn't until probably the last maybe like 30, 40 minutes of the film that I really got into it. And that's a problem when your movie is an hour and 40 minutes long, you know, because I'm spending more than half of it just bored and waiting for it to end, you know? So I'm curious as to why you thought I wouldn't like it. Well, there's a couple things. Okay. Um, I think I really like human stories and I don't think you really do. I do like human stories. I'm just very particular about that. Because American Beauty is a human story. Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. Um, I love human stories. I'm just, I just don't like all of them, you know? Yeah, well, the main reason was I texted you yesterday and I said, I'm about to watch the movie. Are you going to watch it tonight? And you said, I watch it this afternoon. And I went, she hated it. And I knew, (laughs) no, actually I had, this is what it, this is what it is. I thought she either hated it. Actually, she probably didn't hate it. She probably feels totally indifferent about it (laughs) because if you hated it, you would have texted me. I'm not going to, okay. I'm only going to say one thing about this movie, (laughs) but X, Y, Z, if you loved it, you would have been like, Oh, this movie, I'm crying. I'm bawling. I was weeping the whole time. And the fact that you said nothing, I was like, wow, she didn't even feel anything towards the movie so I was almost I was I mean like if I if if you were like a Vegas bet I would have put like two thousand dollars on that because wow no offense I have but, no poker face no offense but I 
I've learned <laughs> how to read you. You know, honestly. And when I say <laughs> when I say you don't like human stories, I think I was generalizing too much, but I could tell that this was like I find this movie incredibly poetic and I find it to be such a minuscule human experience. And I think that that's just like not your that's not your jive. Like that's my jive. Like I can tell when I watch a movie like this like this is the kind of story and the kind of depth that I and I I'm not, it's not a perfect movie. It has a lot of problems. But I could tell as I was watching it because the first time I was watching it I was watching it for myself. Like I didn't, who cares if anybody likes it or not. But the second time I'm watching it I'm watching it with a different eye and I'm watching it thinking like what's Lauren going to think and I'm like I know that this isn't like this this sort of story is not her thing. And I could just tell. <laughs> yeah. It's... And sometimes you surprise me. Like sometimes I surprise you. But the fact that you were so quiet uh, made well, me pretty yeah. much cemented it. Because <laughs> you you texted me and you were like, "Oh, have you watched it yet?" And I was like, "Yep, watched it this morning." <laughs> and you were like, "And you were like, oh, okay." And I and I I was thinking kind of something along those lines too. Like, oh, I didn't send her any sort of like because usually I have some sort of excited whether it's negatively excited or positively excited text. But this time I was just like, yep, I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I could pretty much tell. And I even texted Mike uh, and said, I have a sinking feeling that Lauren didn't like the movie. And I, I said it pretty much what I just said to you. I said to him and I said, maybe not didn't like it. I think she was bored by it or d indifferent. But anyway, I, I, I could tell when I was watching it that you probably it just wasn't I could it's just not tell. my cup of tea. Yeah. yeah, because you do like human stories, obviously. Like, we watched the movie Bell together, and we, like, you know, like, got all crazy, I but... I, yeah, I, I think... Well, I mean, I really... I want you to watch Meet Bill now, because I want you to see, like, the difference. Maybe we can watch it sometime, but... Because I, I did own it, but I bought it, actually, at Family Video, and it was so... It was, like, such bad quality DVD. Like, it had been so, like scratched and shit that it like barely played and so I think I did throw it away but um it's I mean I, I don't know I can't tell you exactly like I can't put my thumb on exactly what about demolition I didn't quite like other than I was just bored actually I think I can I think it's I think that his indifference towards his wife's death made me indifferent towards the film you know what I mean like his la like whether or not he liked his wife it just didn't seem like there was any sort of real heavy feelings either way you know it wasn't like oh my god I miss my wife so much I'm so heartbroken you know like the fountain it was just kind of it was just like yeah my wife's dead oh yeah my wife died and then it wasn't until really the end when which I actually really did like this part when the guy with the station wagon comes up and he goes to the grave and he's like apologizing to him that was the most emotion out of that film that I saw and that was the part that spoke to me probably the most because it was just so painful and I mean I can't imagine you know like taking the life of someone in this accident it's just awful you know and you know, you're irrevocably changing other people's lives because of this. And it's just like, it's so 
I, I mean, I, I definitely, I wouldn't say that I hated it, but you're right. Indifference is probably the correct word. It was just, I, I don't want to watch it again. I like, I have no desire to do that. I see. I have a different, like a little different for me. Uh, something that I liked about it was his indifference because it'd be so easy, I think, to write a movie about grief where he's just like grieving like you would cinematically expect him to grieve. But I really liked how he'd been checked out for so long and he was so checked out in their marriage. Not He wasn't like cheating on her or anything. He was just checked out. Like he lived this like controlling rigid life. He got up at 5.30, he exercised, he took a shower, he shaved his whole body and went yeah, to work nuts. in the finance <laughs> district and made a lot of money for, he worked for her father-in-law and he just did that well, every, her father. her father, sorry, her father, he did that every day, every day. And, and then like, he was so checked out that he found out later in the movie that she had had an affair on him and she had gotten pregnant with that person's baby and had an abortion. And, and I think that that like, like rightfully if he had been in touch with himself or if he had had like any sort of awakening before that, they probably would have gotten divorced or they probably would have gone through some intense like marital counseling, you know, like their relationship was built on very shaky foundation. Like he says it in the beginning, he says like, we met at a party and we had sex three hours later and, and you know, then they got married and he said, I didn't really know much about her. Like now she's gone. And I, I know she like does she he said like three very like superficial things about her like she snorts when she laughs I don't remember what other things but they were superficial like he could have said right. like she wears shoes and she has hair like that and he and then he says like and that's all I knew about her and that's really interesting because it's two people who decided to like tie their lives together but they didn't know anything about each other and and then suddenly she's dead and now he has to find his role as grieving widower when he really doesn't know what he's grieving. And I really think that that's interesting because it would be easier, it would be easy to paint her as a saint and him as an asshole, but it really does in the movie, it really like it takes two to tango. Like whatever happened between them happened because of both of their actions and I like how her, so her dad played by Chris Cooper is also his boss and her dad and uh, Davis talks about how he didn't think her parents really liked him that much. And you could tell that they don't really like him that much, but they like idolize their daughter. Like they think their daughter is like so much better than him. And, and, and Chris Cooper even says like, it should have been you every day I wake up and I yeah. wish you had died. And then you find out, and then you find out that, the, that she was like, she was fooling around on him. And I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying like, she's not a saint. And I like that because I, I don't like, she didn't deserve to die. I'm just saying like, you find that whatever was happening in the relationship was happening because of both of them. But unfortunately, only Davis is left to deal with this aftermath. And, and then he, he sort of starts to think about like, okay, he did love her in a way, probably a way that shouldn't have resulted in marriage maybe, you know, but yeah, for sure. it showed a couple moments of like tenderness between them, like 
when she was like rubbing his feet on the couch and then he embraced her and and then um when he was at her grave and the guy who hit the car came up like you said i think that's when maybe like i think that's when like the dam broke like he saw that raw emotion that somebody had overtaking the life of a stranger and i think he you know sort of realized like she she was a stranger to me even though she was my wife and i did love her in some way and he would see her like he like saw her in a mirror like you know she wasn't actually there so like she was like haunting him still even though he didn't he said he didn't love her and and i think that that's i think that that's interesting i i I don't know. I it's really sad. It's just so sad. It's not just sad because she died. It's sad because they probably did what a lot of people do. They don't really know somebody, but they think like we have this beautiful house and we have a lot of money and we fill it with things and we're happy, but we don't really know each other and we're not allowed to like open up and you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't think I'm I don't really think I finished that thought, but I think I liked that aspect of it because it'd be really easy to say that the dead spouse is like a saint and the spouse that survived is a jerk and that's not how it was like you really really see how they were both guilty of something right right yeah um i think part of the issue for me with the wife what was her name i want to call her anna but i don't think that's right um Julia. Julia, that's right. Um, <clears throat> I think part of the issue with me with Julia was that if there had maybe been more character development with her, you know, like if you if you had there had been more like flashbacks showing like what kind of person she was. I don't know. I, I to me, it I felt a lot for her parents. I felt a lot that you know. Um, Phil and Margot, those are their names. I felt that that's got to be so hard. And I think that I liked the parents kind of their story a little bit more or not. No, I wouldn't say more. Uh, I cannot imagine, you know, put, being put into their position where they are burying their daughter after this horrible car accident. And now all they have left is this indifferent son-in-law who they don't care about, they don't really like, and he just doesn't seem to care about this whole thing. And my, in my mind, like, here I am thinking, I'm like, if she hadn't died in a car accident, she had died in some suspicious way, I might, like, I might be thinking that the parents might be thinking, did Davis kill our daughter? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, that was my, my true crime mind was like, what if though? Um, so I, 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 I can't imagine being put into their shoes where you're having to deal with this person who is just going, oh, my wife's dead, your daughter's dead. It's sad, but I'm going to go demolish my house. Oh, I forgot. I was going to tell you something. So there's a movie called Demolition Man. It's with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. It was like in the 90s and it's kind of fun. It's, you know, classic action film. So naturally I love it because I love all those 90s like action films in the 90s and 80s stars and stuff like that. But I was watching it um, with, you know, I was watching it with Patrick and 
he turns to me and he goes, so do you know what this movie's about? And I go, um, it's about a man who demolishes. Demolishes? <laughs> yes. He was like, demolishes. And I was like, I know it's demolishes, but <laughs> just... <laughs> he's the demolish man. <laughs> this pizza is demolish. Demolish. He demolishes. <laughs> like at the end of the movie, they demolished that building. <laughs> exactly exactly they do so i want i want to mention that because i was thinking about that but uh yeah i i i can't i think that's all i have to say about that i i just had a struggle i had a struggle connecting with these people and i liked the son of naomi watts of julia no Karen. Karen, sorry. Unfortunately, they named her Karen, which does yeah. not age well, I think. Which is funny because every single woman I've ever met who is named Karen has been like an awesome yeah. and super intelligent great woman. And so to me, like I can't use the name Karen as you know, a, a derogatory term for like a whiny woman or whatever because I've met like nothing but great Karen. I, I thought that too. Like I don't know. I mean, I think Karen just like you know comedy where you like just name a name. Like yeah. I always use Trevor. I use Lisa. Like a lot. I feel like Karen caught on in some internet communities and just exploded from there. But I agree with you. Like I've never met like an unpleasant Karen. Yeah, I've never met a Karen yeah. I didn't like. Honestly, like I cannot think of a single woman named Karen who I'm like, fucking Karen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do want to talk about. So something I did enjoy uh, is that, so he is in the hospital after he's learned his wife is dead after they had that car accident and he's trying to get peanut M&Ms out of a vending machine and, and it doesn't work. And so he, I think what I really like is that he like chooses just this tiny insignificant thing to freak out about. And that makes sense to me because when your life is out of control, mm -hmm. you control the controllable. And so his wife just died. His peanut M&Ms didn't come out. So he took a picture of the manufacturer information and wrote a letter to the vending machine company. And Naomi Watts' character, Karen, works in customer service for that company. And it's a small company that her... She is. She, yeah. <laughs> and I... And so he's writing these like long, like diary type letters. And that's not my favorite aspect of the movie uh, because simply because something that bothers me in most movies where this happens is that the character writing a letter, if they have a voiceover where it's reading the letter, it's never in a real person's voice. It's in a writer's voice. And that bothers mm. me. Like, did you ever see Marriage Story? No, I didn't because it looked just something like something I would totally hate. <laughs> it's it's not I I think like performance-wise it's very strong, but the movie is like like really depressing. Like it's not a movie that yeah, you just Yeah, that's exactly put on. why I was like it looked really depressing and I was like I'm good. But Thanks. something that really pissed me off about it is that in the beginning of the movie Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are sitting in like a, I don't know if it's a mediator or a psychiatrist but they're sitting in the office of somebody and they both had to write something about like what they liked about the other person and and so the beginning of the movie starts off very like artistically and it's like a montage of each of them reading what they like about the other person and it's a both 
of their perspectives sound like they were written by the same person because I'm mm. sure they were. They were written by the writer of the movie. So the language is very like creative and well written and, and you know, like clever in ways that a movie writer would write. It's not it's not like the oh, character like didn't, not from like the average Joe who's not a writer. Yeah, the character didn't write that for both right. of them. And I, I, I don't know a way around that unless like you have because the thing is there's so many revisions that happen with like movies that who knows if, if you let somebody else write those letters so it sounded like it came from a different voice, maybe eventually it would just get like so stripped down and edited that it wouldn't sound like an original voice. I don't know how that works, but that really bothered me because I thought uh, it doesn't sound like two different perspectives. It's not like one perspective that's just writing something creative for people to say in a movie right. that people will say it's so creative. And that's how I feel about his letters. His letters didn't feel like they were written by somebody. They didn't feel like they were written by Davis. It felt like they right. were written by a screenwriter. And that, and that seems self-righteous to me. And that really bothered me. Like, like it just, if, if it was in a book and I was reading it and I could attach any voice to it that I wanted it would probably be a little bit better. But I mean, I just don't think it's a very strong aspect because I've, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where somebody like reads written word and it sounds like a real person wrote it. Right. And that is distracting in this movie because he's doing a lot of exposition with these letters. And I think the point comes across okay that he's like being brutally honest, writing a letter to this vending machine company about how he didn't love his wife and how things don't make sense and, and he doesn't feel anything. And I think that that gets the movie's point across and it carries them to, into how they meet and everything. But I just think the craft of the letter is distractingly self-righteous and, and not realistic. And that really is, is an aspect that I wish that they had done differently. Um, and I don't, I, I feel like I've repeated myself a lot in that little soliloquy, but I don't know how else to say it. No, I get it. I um, actually never really noticed that. But now that you've pointed that out, I'm going to really pay attention. Um, the only one I could think of that I really did notice that in was uh, in Legends of the Fall with Anthony Hopkins <laughs> letters to his wife. The boys are going to fight the war today. They're both dressed up in their war clothes. War clothes. <laughs> Susanna, or whatever your name is, because I can't remember. <laughs> Come back soon to Montana. <laughs> we shall ride the horses. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I don't know. <laughs> no, keep going. That was more interesting than Legends of the oh, Wall. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I. And on Sundays, <laughs> we eat corn from the fields. <laughs> I like it. Um, and Julia. That was her name. Jul Julia. No, was it? It was Susanna. That was Julia Ormond's character's name, right? No, I don't know. I don't know what no, we're talking about anymore. Wasn't there the second, the little, the little uh, Native American girl's name like Julia too or something? I Julie don't too remember. or I don't remember. I think you're right, but I don't remember. Okay, well, it's let's whatever. just say you're right. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> like neither of us are bothering to look up on IMDb, and no. honestly, I don't care enough to look. On <laughs> I'd have to navigate for my demolition page, and it's just like. You know, I mean, the two extra seconds it's going to take. It's just, it's just too much. I can't, can't. Anyway, um, so I never noticed 
really about that. Uh, but I actually liked the <laughs> letter reading parts. <laughs> She's rolling her eyes. It tracks. I don't know why I would yeah. expect any different. Um, <laughs> of course, I know. I mean, when are we? Ever, well, we do sometimes feel the same about movies, but you know, it's uh, few and far between, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't mind that so much. I thought it was kind of an, an interesting way to have him connect with Karen, because um, I I like those kind of meet cutes, you know, and and I like when people don't like necessarily know what each other looks like but they're they're kind of like oh, I have this connection with this person and I have to meet them and so I do I do like those kind of storylines I do too I like their meet yeah. cute it's just the letters like the letters themselves that bother me right. so yeah no I get it I get it it's I don't know it didn't it didn't bug me though <laughs> like I I kind of liked it I kind of enjoyed it it was um it was fun I liked also how he he was so numb that it seemed like he was indifferent. That's something that I also, that's an aspect that I also wanted to touch on. Like, um, so he goes to work like a few days after the funeral and everybody at his job is like crying and they all feel for him, but he's just like, uh, can you just, give me my work. I'm, I just want to get to work. Everything's normal. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's interesting because they call Chris Cooper, who's like head of the company and his father-in-law, and then he takes him for drinks. And, and it's funny that I mentioned American Beauty and Chris Cooper was in this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So his, his character's name is Phil. Mm-hmm. And you learn that like, um, like Davis always thought it was funny that his father-in-law was named Phil because like the acronym father-in-law is F-I-L. So he has, I think, I think from the get-go, I'm intrigued by Davis because he has this very active life in his head. Like he has this very active inner life, but his outer life, he just seems like nothing's going on. But in reality, I think he's just like, everything is going on in his head and he compartmentalizes everything. And I think that's an interesting character trait. And so it's like, he doesn't see the forest for the trees, but he's also like so focused on the forest. Like he's not not focused, he's too focused. And there's just like, maybe he has like some sort of ADD situation going on. It's, it's, it's very intriguing. And so he, they go out to this bar, this fancy bar, and Phil says, you know, they charge $18 a drink here. And I don't know why ingredients that go into any other drink at a different restaurant and then Bill sort of soliloquies about moving on and and finding you know like finding healing in the grief and how you know you have to put all the pieces back together. That's what they're talking about the grant right? Yeah and he he says he wants to do like this this scholarship grant in his daughter's memory with the life insurance payout which is like two million dollars or something and and, and he, he goes, goes through, through this whole thing, thing and at the, the end, end like you, you kind, kind of expect Davis to be like on the same page as him, but at, at the end of all this, Davis is like, you're, you're paying for the atmosphere. atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's why it's so expensive. So it's, it's like, like it feels to Phil and to the, the viewer, viewer 
that he is indifferent. He doesn't care what's going on. Right. It's really, he just like, I feel like I view his brain as just like tiny little compartments. And he, like the grief for his wife dying and the tragedy and the trauma of his wife dying and the trauma of marriage ending in tragedy that had already had its own tragedy that you could that you didn't work out and you can never work out with the person again is like in a tiny compartment and he just can't go there right now right so he focuses on why are the drinks 18 dollars oh it's, it's because you're paying for the atmosphere and the look and he looked almost like excited when he said it too he was like i figured it out yeah and then, and then phil was like what excuse me what no what are you saying yeah like phil is like you can tell that he's kind of offended because he's well, like, yeah, I, I would be too. Shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And no, I'm not condoning any of this in real life. Like if I was in Phil's shoes, it probably, it would really piss me off. But from the outside looking in and watching the movie, I think it's a very beautiful exploration of a, like a person going through something, but more than just grief, like a person almost like, waking up in life right and and i think that that's interesting and then later in the movie um well can i i just want i want to add something on to yours so i do agree with you it seems like up until the point where his wife had had died that he did seem like he was just kind of like it's like pressing play on a dvd player like you're just it's just going it's just it's not doesn't have any you know motives or whatever all it has to do is play and then all of a sudden you know this this massive upheaval happened in his life and suddenly he's going well I don't even like this house (laughs) like I don't like the things I do I don't you know I'm not happy here I just want to destroy shit right now because that's where my brain is and I like when he joined the uh, construction crew and that one dude, that mustache dude, I feel like I've seen him in other things, but I couldn't think of what I've seen him in. Um, and, and he's like, what? You want to just, you want to pay me to like destroy shit? And I kind of get that because I was like, that looks like fun. I mean, I, like for a job, I think it would be really difficult, be a very hard, physically hard job, but just to like, like you know, you're just frustrated and you want to just destroy some shit. I was like, shit, I want to do that. You know, give me a sledgehammer. I'll destroy this wall, you know? Um, so I did like that aspect of it, that he was kind of like, like hyper-focused on just this destruction and, or demolition. He demolished. <laughs> he demolished real good. Um, but I, I agree with you is basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, and then later... Uh, later, so Karen calls him, and they off camera. We don't see it. They make some sort of plan to like meet each other at this little diner, and he goes to the diner, and you find out that she had chickened out, and she left, and she's sitting in the parking lot, and she calls him, and he figures out that she's in the parking lot watching him eat, and she said, "Yeah, I came and I sat there for a little while." And I played a song on the jukebox and it, it, I just got too sad. And so I left and he said, what song did you play? And she said, I, I played crazy on you. And he's like, is that a sad song? And then later, like the next scene. So they never meet because she right. leaves. She's, he looks out the window Smoking and he can just weed in the car. Yeah. He can just see her like in shadow in the car and then she leaves. So they never meet in person. And then the next day he's in like a board meeting and Phil is, 
he's drawing on a, he's drawing on a table like on the wood of the table and feels like uh davis do you want some paper do you have anything to add to this conversation and and davis looks up and he's like yeah i do have one thing uh, it's just a question do any of you think that crazy on you is a sad song <laughs> yeah and i like that i like that because once again he's like hyper fixating on this thing and and then you find out that he like took the bathroom apart because the stall door squeaked and and then he starts driving and i think that they did a really creative choice they started playing they played like the intro to crazy on you and so it's like building and building and building and then it stops right before the the vocals come so you just hear like the you just like i, I, know, I was what song like waiting for it because i was like crazy on you yeah and i thought that was really creative because i, I think like have, too. i think having the vocals would have like maybe made it too on the nose but i like that it was just the intro and then it stopped and when it stopped you realize that he was at the vending machine company to see karen and she obviously wasn't there but you find out that she's dating her boss who owns the company and so there's like that guy looks really familiar to me too that actor he did look familiar to yeah, me too yeah i couldn't like figure i like it wasn't well he's in a lot of stuff but i don't think i've actually seen him in anything Maybe he's just one of those people I've like casually seen him in something. You know what I mean? Like not enough for me to like remember, but enough for like be like, oh, that the trigger of the face yeah. is like, yeah. So anyway, so I I think that that's interesting, and I like the aspect also of him like taking things apart, not just to like destroy it, but he said. There's a line where he said, you know, you got to take something apart to find out where the problem is and then you can fix it. And so I like that he's living in this like cold house, which is all cement and windows and steel. There's like no color in it whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like representative of like his marriage and, and he sees things and he just wants to break them apart and, and find out what's wrong with things and fix them you know or find out how he can fix them and, and so i think that that aspect is interesting i think it goes too far over the top like i don't i i don't care for the scene where him and the, the boy are destroying yeah that so like stressed bad. me out to like like i was i was like okay well you can't sell your house now what are you going to do rebuild so that's going to be way more money than like i'm like you might as well just bulldoze it and buy it like just start again honestly yeah i would have i wouldn't have minded if they had just destroyed the interior but they were like tearing down yeah. walls and then it That's, showed him yeah that bugged me it showed him sleeping in it like the next like like a little while later he like woke up in his bedroom and i thought surely it's not safe to sleep there you've destroyed half the house and i thought i mean anyone could literally just walk in yeah anyone yeah. or any animal or any you know and and i was thinking that that might that seemed like a continuity error almost like i wouldn't have minded if they had stuck to the inside but the fact that like it, i thought that it was kind of stupid because they went too far i agree i agree like it's you know you could still have like good the good bones of the house and then just you know gut out the interior and make it different you know and and that would totally change the house but it, it's like <laughs> just it, it's it's this has got to be like a rich guy's dilemma because someone who is like us who doesn't make like that kind of money 
would go, oh my God, what are you doing? Stop. You're destroying everything. Like that's so much money. And so, so, you know, if he's making, I'm guessing through like six figures a year, I would guess. So he's making a decent amount of money and he's just totally okay with, as you said, destroying the exterior of his house. And I, I agree with you. If they had been destroying the interior, I would have been like, okay, but because they were like just ripping out a wall of the house and like destroying the windows and everything. I was like, I can't, I can't deal with this. This mm-hmm. is stupid, unbelievably stupid. And I mean, whatever. <laughs> I, it was just too, it was too far. It was too it over was. the top because I, I don't even think of it. I actually like don't mind that it's a rich person's dilemma because I think at that point, he doesn't even really care that he's rich. And I think no matter how much money you have, you could get to a certain point where you're like, I don't care if I break something irrevocable. I don't care if I irreparable. I don't even know if that's a word. I don't care if I break something. I'm in a bad place emotionally. And so right. like, it's, I think, I, I don't, it, it, it is kind of a rich person's dilemma, but not, to me, that's not like a bad thing because the movie is about, a journey of grief that rich and poor people alike go through and we sort of do need to all find out what's broken and try to fix it in situations you know yeah but it's movified in that he like made his domicile uh like he condemned it basically you couldn't live there and i was shocked that his neighbors didn't call the cops because they they show a brief scene of a neighbor like watching it happen and i was like i would call the cops because i think it's getting like burglarized you know right right um and also there was there was another scene that i really hate that really bothers me and i want to bring it up and it's it just doesn't even need to be in the movie and it drives me nuts and it's when is it the shootings yes oh my god yes (laughs) number one it's like gross negligence yeah so so jake davis walks down the little boy the little boy's name is chris he's not little he's 15 but he like naomi watts like karen his mom even says he's 15 but he looks 12 so he looks really young but he's supposed to be 15 his name is chris he walks in on chris And Chris has got a handgun, like probably a 1911. And and Chris is like, oh, it's, it's Carl's. It's the, the boyfriends, the Karen's boyfriends. He's like, oh, it's Carl's gun. And so Davis takes him to the woods and they're shooting and Davis is shooting with one hand, which is totally movie-fied. You should never shoot with one hand unless maybe you're a professional. Wait, I, how do you know all this? I don't even... Like... You, you can't aim with one hand. Have you ever shot a gun? No. Okay. Have you ever shot a gun? Once. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I've shot a gun more than once, but on one occasion. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Were I, you at like a shooting range or outside? Or I, I killed a man. You killed a man? <laughs> no, I was at a shooting range. My that brother... That is not surprising. <laughs> My brother, <laughs> Kyle... Out of all the friends I have, I was always like... Sam's gonna be the one that's gonna murder. <laughs> my brother Kyle got me uh, a gift card to a shooting range for my birthday one year, and he took me and and we shot that's guns, so and cool. it was I've fun. Wanted to go to a shooting range. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, but uh, y- you know, y- you cannot be careless with guns, like no. <laughs> and it's it's just it was infuriating to see him shoot with one hand because that's like what a 12 year old would think you just don't shoot with one hand or when they go like this and they push yeah to the side, like, like. <laughs> and so he's got this young boy with him 
So Davis is shooting one-handed, making it look effortless. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you shoot with one hand. That's how you shoot a gun. And then he hands the gun to, to Chris, the 15-year-old. And Chris also shoots with one hand a few times. Then he shoots with two hands. Then he shoots with one hand. And at that point, I was really angry because I was like, this is like the scene the scene in the movie is so far off anything that any adult would ever should or would ever probably do when a gun is involved that i couldn't i i was i was angry at the ridiculousness and the negligence of it and then he he never so he never told him like no shoot with both hands you know, breathe, you know, like the, the trick is like you breathe in and then you shoot on the exhale. You know what I mean? It's like you have to like you have to teach somebody proper care of a gun. So anyway, then the kid says, let's shoot something. And Davis says, well, what? And he's like, and the kid says, well, like a deer or a squirrel. And I was like, in my head, I thought this kid sounds like he could be a serial killer. Oh my God. Yes. Like that's a really weird thing. My first thought was like, wow, that's a little psychopathic. If you want to hurt on purpose, like Like, mm. I want to be clear for anybody listening. I have no problem with hunting for a purpose. If you're hunting deer or squirrel with the intent to use their meat, you know, if you're, if you're killing an animal with the intent to use their meat for sustenance, I'm totally fine with that. I have no problem. But that kid was not doing that. He wanted to kill something. Yeah, he just wanted to hurt something. And that seemed weird to me because up to that point and after that point, I never thought that that kid was a psychopath. But that scene makes him really seem like a psychopath. It's totally out of the ordinary or it's totally off what the character would do. He definitely has a little bit of darkness to him. Like when he was talking about uh, the that that thing that happened in Iraq was it Iran or Iraq, oh yeah whatever, the, with the, the, the humpy that was covered with explosives yeah but I can also now I wouldn't say that I was like I was really into dark things as a, as a teenager but as an adult I could see myself doing something like that as an adult but I also don't want to go out and harm animals well you let me what clarify I mean? what you're talking about so he did he talked about he said he got suspended from yeah. school for being true, like telling the truth about Iraq and how a Humvee with American soldiers pulled over to help a little girl who had... I was had, trying to think of the word Humvee. And I yeah, and word. she had like explosives on her and the whole thing blew up. And then he like used a firecracker on like a toy truck. And then he did like a, like he used spray paint or something to make a fake like flamethrower. And, and you're right, like that sort of dark, but that sort of darkness is a lot different than like wanting to kill something just because you have yeah. a gun in your hand. And I wouldn't have used like a fake flamethrower and a, a spark, like a fire, you know, firecracker. I would have just told this fucked up dark story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's there's a big difference between doing something like that and wanting to intentionally harm animals. That really, uh, that, that definitely kind of took me out of the whole thing because I was... I mean, I, I could see that the kid was angry. You know, he didn't have a father. He didn't have a father in his life. And he had Carl, who I don't really know their relationship. But based on I like what I saw, I kind I kind of got the assumption that maybe they he Chris didn't really like him that much, you know. Um, But 
it, it was just so bizarre that he wanted to do that. And then when Davis went and he got the bulletproof vest, I was like, why would you do that? Like, first of all, all it takes, like, this kid is not a sharpshooter. He is not a professional, you know, gunman or whatever they're called. And if he misses... You could not, die. Not if he misses. Davis should be dead. Not yeah. when he misses. And, right. that, and that scene is what drove me nuts because Jake Davis gets a bulletproof vest from his car because he bought all this like equipment to like take his house apart. And so I don't know why he bought a bulletproof vest, but he had one in his car, which is another stupid thing. And And then he stood there and the kid aimed with one hand. So number one you're never gonna hit the bulletproof vest i mean i guess maybe odds are like one in 999 billion that you would hit in the bulletproof vest area shooting with one hand your third time ever shooting a gun without even thinking about it he didn't even think about it he just held the gun up and shot and happened to hit him in the vest more than likely he would have hit around him like a tree or the ground but also he could have hit his head or his leg and then when Davis was like bent over because it, it the bullet hit the bulletproof vest and Davis was like, Oh, that hurts. The kid shoots again without yes. even without even thinking about it. He shoots like off the cuff and yeah. hits him again in the bulletproof vest. And I was like, like the movie takes such that scene is such a turn from reality in every single way. Yeah. I yeah. don't know why it wasn't on the cutting room floor. There's no reason for it to be. I mean I think the point they were trying to get across was that Davis at that point has no fear of death. Like he's still numb, but they can do that so many other ways. It's it's yeah. so irresponsible to show anyone casually shooting a gun one-handed, giving a gun to a child and having them shoot one-handed. And then to suggest that you could aim at a person one-handed your first time shooting a gun and not kill them. I know. That scene put me on on edge. It's so stupid. And it's it's one thing if you have a movie about a, a kid with psychotic tendencies because that what the movie is about. Like, we need to talk about Kevin is like that. Um, but this, this, this was, it was just irresponsible. And it was stupid of Davis. I mean, if I was, if I was uh, Karen and I found out that someone had brought my kid out to shoot a gun, I would have said, get the fuck out of my life. At a person? Yeah. Like, I would have been like, get the fuck out of my life. What are you teaching my child? Like, we're, like, this is done. We are done. Davis, you cannot come around here anymore. You cannot contact me. Don't contact the company. We're done. Mm-hmm. This is it. Because I would have been, I would have never trusted that person after that. I would have been, I would have been like, no you're maybe a bad guy. I don't know you. And I certainly don't trust you around my child. She was so like comfortable letting her kid around this guy that she really didn't know. And I mean, you, to me, that's insane. You don't know if he's a predator. You don't know what kind of person he is. However, I do have to say the scene where um, he's sitting on the couch and he goes, what do you think we could do with a couch like this? At first I was like, does he mean sex? <laughs> I was 
I was like, she told you that she needed to wait. So you need to respect that. But then when they were actually talking about making like a little um, blanket fort and they were like doing that with the hand movements, that was so fucking precious. <laughs> that was so cute. I love that shit and I love blanket forts. And <laughs> you do love blanket I forts. I do love blanket forts. Um, I think though. Yeah. Sorry. Were no, you- I'm done. I'm good. I liked that she let him into her life so easily because I think that they were kindred spirits and I think she I think could she sense definitely that. needed someone like and, that. Yeah. And, but I like that they were kindred. They were, I don't think, I don't think Davis even wanted to have sex with her at first. And I, and I think that when she, so when he spent the night and they were sleeping in separate beds and she said, this is all I can do. He was like, that's fine. I almost think like she didn't even have to explain herself because I think he just didn't have anybody like his father-in-law and mother-in-law hated him. You never see his parents came to town, but they were so aloof. Like they were doing like household chores for him and they you know because they didn't know how to help him so he's just like this he's an island like there's no he has no one right and suddenly from the void here's this person who's just like this net for him and i liked that it was i like it was non-sexual the whole movie was non-sexual i like that too i like that there's like the possibility of they probably maybe will end up together but totally off camera we don't have to see it and it was it was like this platonic friendship of kindred spirits where they both needed each other in the moment that they were in and i liked that like he preferred her real life looking house to his like super chic house and he would stay there her and, house looked a lot comfier though yeah well it was i like would have preferred his, her house too I yeah mean, and yeah. I, and i like that and something else i like about it which um so i asked mike if he wanted to watch the movie and he declined so uh, he said that the synopsis reminded him of sleepless in seattle and i laughed because it is kind of like a woman is like overtaken by a widower like oh i'm but it's not like the the synopsis yeah it's definitely not not. and um and what i liked is that carl is like pissed because Carl and Karen have some sort of relationship, but she you can tell that he probably likes her more than she likes him. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Didn't and he, like, buy some sort of tickets for them to go on, like, a really nice vacation? And Well, I know he was going to a different city to, like, because he wanted to maybe move his business there. And he was saying, you know, it's it's a really nice place. We could move my business there, and we could go there, and you could go to school like you always wanted to, you know? And so... He had these dreams for them, these goals for them. And um, I think that he could tell that Davis and her had this emotional connection that he never had with her. And you don't see much of, like, Carl is barely in the movie, but I like that how pissed he is because it's realistic. Like, I think so too. Like, they did. If I were in his shoes, I would be just as pissed. I'd be like, why are you coming around? hanging out with my girlfriend, taking my potential maybe future stepchild, like, you know, I'd be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Get out. Bye. You know? and, and, and Carl beats Davis up at the end of the movie. And I, and I like that because there's like real passion. Like he knows, I think, you know, Carl probably suspects things are happening between them and really nothing happens between them physically at all. Right. 
they're just friends from, you know, I mean, from the outside looking in, they're just friends, but you can tell that they're like, they have this like connection that's getting deeper, but it's, it's, it's not innocent because it's, you can tell that she's like sort of over Carl, but I don't think she's over Carl because of Davis. I think she just never was into Carl as much as she should have been, you know? And I think it became complicated too because she works for him. And I mean, I could see anything where you're like, I don't know if I want to break up with my boss. What if I lose my job? You know, like I, I could see any situation where, I mean, you probably shouldn't like screw with your boss to begin with just to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't come up but it does happen you know i mean it's yeah. life you know, well you can't help how you feel and she also says like he's stable like she should like him more than she does because he offers a better life for her and her son right but she just doesn't feel the way about she says she thinks he likes her more than she or like cares for her more than she cares for him and it's like alfred and you know legends of the fall it's like <laughs> going to choose Alfred are you going to choose Brad Pitt's character whose name I can't remember Tristan Tristan? that's his name yeah (laughs) are you going to choose wild sexy Brad Pitt who's definitely got PTSD are you going to choose cool calm Alfred I'm going to choose Alfred okay I like Alfred (laughs) I stand by that I was talking to my parents about Legends of the Fall and they were like wasn't the oldest brother like really super boring and I was like why does everyone have an issue with Alfred because they were talking about they had just recently watched the movie after we had you know done the episode or my mom and my sister had and um and and my dad's like wasn't Alfred the boring one he was so boring he's like who you know they're they're all like who would want to be with Alfred when you could be with Tristan and I was like but Alfred was stable damn it I was getting like really defensive I was like he's stable he's kind he can offer a good life I was like I would have chosen Alfred okay I would have chosen him over Tristan I definitely would have chosen him over the youngest brother oh yeah um Henry um Thomas yeah 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 um I want to go to war and die father yeah okay okay bye and i'm gonna go have sex with your brother (laughs) so i like how angry carl gets because it's realistic like carl is pissed he beats the crap out of davis and that's what should happen right and um but also like i do appreciate the fact that they have this connection but she does not cheat on carl essentially i mean if you're dating someone you probably shouldn't form that sort of friendship with another man it's it's, it's, it's kind of like emotionally cheating yeah it is it is kind of cheating but i i like that she still kept like certain boundaries and she would say stuff like oh it's dangerous for me to be talking to you like this and and i thought that that was that made me appreciate it because they at least like they at least acknowledge that somebody else's feelings were at stake, whereas in some movies that are so cheap, they don't acknowledge other people's feelings, and that really is such a bummer. Like it's so it's such it a is. bummer. So I like that 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 was part of the narrative. Carl's feelings were part of the story, and Carl was not okay with it. And that's another part that I liked because. You shouldn't be okay with stuff like that happening. No, I know. I, even yeah. if, 
at the end of everything, you don't stay together with this. Like, even though him and Karen don't stay together and their relationship is probably not a great relationship. I was like, what the Yeah, my neighbors are moving. I think that's probably what we heard. Even though their relationship is not a great relationship, he still should be pissed. And, you know, he, and, and, and I, I think that that is good. I like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense because Davis is kind of crossing a line. Oh, big you know? time. Um, yeah, he's definitely making himself at home with her. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, there's multiple times where he, like, is over their place and he, like, shaves his beard. Like, he, he just does stuff. Yeah, he took a very, shower like, there. <laughs> yeah, like, he does stuff that's, like, a very, like, intimate thing to do. And it seems like he kind of invited himself into their life rather than him really being invited. Um, I mean, yeah, you, you get what I mean. And I, I didn't mind that so much because it seemed like she was okay with it. You know, it seemed like she was like, cool, you can hang out here. Not a problem. You know, um, I also got the feeling that Karen has kind of been, has kind of always just been like, like a tumbleweed in the wind. Like she's just letting the thing, like things take her where they take her. And life has just happened to her. Not not that she's just like letting things happen. It's just that she just seems like she doesn't have a really stable place in life. It kind of seems like her and him are two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I agree with that. Because I, I agree with what you're saying. I think totally. That- yeah, she just she very much strikes me as the type of person who's just never really settled down. You know, she had a kid. She's the dad's not in the picture anymore. We don't know what happened to him and. And, uh, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but then she's kind of coming across someone who is very stable, but is like, I don't know if I am actually at all, you know, I might look stable, but emotionally I'm a mess and I don't know how I feel. And, um, yeah. And I, so I wanted, I actually want to talk about the, uh, the whole grant thing with that kid that they're having the party later. Yeah. Todd. First of all. First of all, the audacity to bring a date to like I don't think I was, she was a date though. I know, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. She's another woman. She's not he's there to me. Okay, like I'm putting myself, let's see, I'm putting myself in Margot and Phil's shoes. So if I saw my son-in-law come in to a party that I'm I'm having for a foundation that I created in my daughter's name after she died in a horrible car accident. And I'm introducing these kids that are getting this grant. And my son-in-law comes in with a different woman. And it's been probably, I would say maybe three, four months after she's died. It's not been that long. I would be so fucking mad. I'd be like, you get the fuck out of my house right now, you piece of shit. How dare you bring another woman here? Like, I, I would... I would be seeing red if I was Phil. Like I would like, I I would, and he kind of did. He was mad about it. He's like, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? And to me, it was incredibly audacious and incredibly disrespectful of Julia and her memory and her parents. And even if she wasn't a date, they don't know that the parents don't know that. So to me, they would maybe think like, well, why wouldn't she be one? You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. Um, 
if I was in their shoes, I would think the same thing. Yeah. From an omniscient perspective, we know what's going on. I don't think it was because... So that's that's interesting because from a perspective of somebody who hasn't been watching his movie, yeah, you would be offended. You have no idea what's going on between him right. and this woman and he seemingly replaced his wife. You don't... I mean, like, I think you can assume without any knowledge that they're probably sleeping together and yeah. you can make all these assumptions that may not be inaccurate, but from it, like from a standpoint of like, I've just watched the movie play out. I think it made total sense that he brought her because she's like this, like comforting safety net for him. But I agree with you. It is right. super disrespectful. Like if, since most people don't know what's happening behind closed doors, it is really disrespectful. Like, even if she is a safety net to you, like, they don't know that. You know what I mean? Right. So you're yeah. right. It is really bold and really, like, bad yeah. behavior. I mean, even, I think even from the perspective of the viewer who's been watching this whole thing go along, I still think it's really disrespectful, you know? I, I still think it's, to me, you shouldn't have brought another woman regardless like, unless it's, like, your mother or your sister or, you know, like, you've been friends with this person for years and years, but you've known this person for a couple months. So, you know, yeah. they're a stranger. It's, like, and bringing them, and I'm saying this from the perspective of Phil and Margo, but bringing, like, you're bringing a woman into my home and I am trying to mourn the loss of my daughter. And this is the hardest thing I have ever experienced in my entire life and probably will be the hardest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And you're rubbing your face with a new woman, relationship with a new woman in mine. And I, to like, regardless to me, it's incredibly disrespectful from whatever perspective yeah. you're looking at it. I, I didn't mind it from a movie perspective just because i i, I like either but, but i agree like totally i agree with yeah. you like in any situation just leave the person even right, if you're not right. even if you're not in a romantic relationship with them if yeah just don't bring them yeah so yeah. i agree with you but <laughs> but i want to talk about the guy that one of the dudes that gets the grant and they're like and him and uh why do I keep having a hard time remembering her name, Karen? Karen? There was something I wanted to talk about that leads up to that okay, because okay. it's one. Of, it's my favorite scene in the movie, and it's related, and I want to talk about okay, it. And I it. and it matches with that. So, Davis goes to the office, and they're having the final interviews, picking the students who will get the grants. And this Todd kid is sitting on the couch in the office having his interview when Davis comes in. <laughs> Davis is like so like laissez-faire now like he's kind of waking up and he just doesn't care and and he had been doing construction and he like stepped on a nail in previous scenes and and he you know he's like dismantling his house and his life and he's friends with Karen and things are like he's starting starting to like sort of just like be more free and liberated and he walks into the office and Phil is like hey Davis and Davis sits down and there's another male, which I kind of assumed might have been like, I don't know who he is. He's like another partner in the firm. Right. And Davis is wearing like construction pants, like like Carhartt jeans or like brown Carhartt pants. And the other younger guy in the office is like, they interrupt Todd's interview. And the other guy's like, hey, Davis, have you been working construction? And Davis is like, I stepped on a nail. It was crazy. And he's just like, like shooting the shit with him, like totally casually. And then the kid is sitting there and Phil is like, okay, we're doing the interviews. So 
Davis is like, yeah, yeah, continue the interview. So the kid, the kid's like, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, and the kid goes, oh, and then we ended up winning. And any normal person, like even me, we don't see the interview. We can just assume it's about a sports team because he's a high school kid who's right. trying to get a grant. And Davis goes, oh, would you win? <laughs> and I just love his performance in that scene is so natural and so ludicrous. And, and then they're like, a swim, a swim meet. He wants a swim meet. And Davis is like, yeah, I used to swim laps at the Y, but then I thought about how many people piss in that pool and I just don't do it <laughs> anymore. And I, I just really like that. So then anyway, flash forward, we're at the, at the party and that same kid who was in the interview, Todd, is now at the party because the party is announcing who's winning the grants and that's what you were going to talk about. Yeah, so. and, and he's talking to Karen and they're like smoking and and then he's like, hey, how about I feel your tits? And I was just like, and her reaction, I don't think I would have reacted that way. I would have been a little like ruder or meaner or whatever. But she was just kind of like, okay. And like walks away, like laughs and walks away. And I loved when they announced him and you could hear her like laughing. I loved that as well because... <laughs> Phil's like, uh, we have three exemplary people with moral and personal greatness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and she's like, ah. and then he calls off Todd's name and she laughs. It's so good. I know. I was kind of like, I like part of me wanted her to like go up there and be like, this kid asked me if I could, if he could see my tits outside. I don't know if you really want to grant him. He's not a morally at the, like I was, yeah, but <laughs> I just love that that she was like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there there were definitely certain parts that I liked, but I would say over overall, the most I was, you know, I mean, I liked the end with the demolition. That was pretty cool. I have always wanted to see a building be torn down like that i think that'd be really neat it would be pretty cool <laughs> like and uh and then when he's those kids are running and he starts running too and it's like he's talking about how he always wanted to run really fast when he was a kid and i thought that was sweet too it, it's but again like it just it like even the ending is just like meet bill like i'm not kidding these are like almost the same movie but we should like rent it sometime and you should come over and you should watch it with me because sure yeah i think i really want you to see this movie now because i feel like it's well first i'm curious as to what you think about it yeah sure yeah um well i wanted to talk about um something that i really liked that you just reminded me of so mm -hmm. when they're sitting in the like the blanket fort um karen asks davis she's like what's something like when was the last time you really cared about something like what did you really care about when you were a kid and he said he cared about running fast and something i really like is that he used names of kid of students that he went to school with and actually when we were talking about this earlier in the episode about like kids in school not mattering anymore i thought like oh that's an interesting tie into what i wanted to talk about so he says in the movie, he says, like, yeah, I, w I wanted to run fast, faster than, like, Ronnie Reynolds and James Johnson. He just says two names, and he goes, you know, so have people cheering for me and not them. And I love that because that is so real to me. Like, 
you know, like the the person in high school who was like almost like the bane of your existence or maybe somebody that you were like jealous of or somebody, they're like a first and last name person in your life, in your memory. And they're like, their name means something to you. Not, maybe not as much when you're older, their name doesn't mean as much, but when you're in that, you're like, oh, Ronnie Robinson, you know, like it's a first name, last name situation because they're not your friend you have contempt for them. So their first name, last name is always just, it just is the name that you use. And you don't know these kids. We've never seen them, but I like that the writing chose to do that to name two kids because that's real. Like if I was talking about somebody in my school that I had issues with and like Mike and I, like Mike has mentioned a name of somebody that he went to high school with, of somebody with like an annoying trait and he did first name, last name. And I, you know what? And I just, it's so realistic. And I really like that. I actually, that's like one of my favorite real life tropes is when people do that. Like I love, like, especially if it's someone you don't really know very well. And they're like telling you a story and they're like, they're like, and Loretta Lynn and I used to go to the store and we buy these, you know, 10 gallon things of, of champagne and just drink all day. And I'm like, oh my God, you and Loretta Lynn were crazy. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. Like, I don't know who Loretta Lynn is, but I love this story. You know? <laughs> I get a You're Southern, Southern in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little, the Southern comes on me. Um, it's like when I try and speak with a British accent, but it always slips into Australian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Chris um, because I really like Chris's storyline beyond the psychopathic gun shooting scene. But in my mind, yeah, it's like weird. I just pretend that that scene doesn't exist because it honestly has no bearing on any. Yeah, like the, it, it, it could. It, it could doesn't totally matter. It's it's yeah. the stupidest thing that just just rip it out and ignore it. Just it gave me a lot of anxiety for no reason. It's it just made me angry. Just like the the. It almost seems like the person who made the movie has never shot a gun before. And Jake Gyllenhaal and the little boy and the camera people and the sound people and the writers, like everybody involved in that scene has never shot a gun before, I would think. because It's like the writer of Jack Reacher who has never spoken to human woman before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so I like the kid's story because you the see him. The second Jack Reacher, the first one was fine. <laughs> you see him in the bathroom wearing like kind of female looking clothes. And he kind of has like longer hair. So it's kind of like he's kind of got this androgyny thing going. And at first you're like, is he just really into David Bowie or what's going on? But then he's walking through a hardware store with Davis and and Chris is like, do you think I'm gay? And I think Davis's response is really interesting because he's like, well, I don't know. Uh I don't know. Like, what's the problem? Let's try. Let's let's try to figure it out together. And he's like, "Do you like any of the girls in your class?" And he's like, "Well, there is one girl who I think she kind of flirts with me, but I don't know if I like her that way." And he goes, "Well, what about any of the guys?" And he names a name, like we said. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, Andy Donaldson." Uh, I, you know, I, I, I Donald Donald. <laughs> yeah, I have to force myself not to watch him changing in the locker room. And and Davis is like, "Well." that's kind of normal, you know, and maybe you're just young and confused. And then the kid's like, and sometimes I think about like giving him a blowjob. Yeah. And, and then Davis goes, it sounds like you might be gay or at least bisexual, (laughs) but he's so caring about it. He's so caring and kind. And he goes, or at least bisexual. And he said, what I would do is pretend you like girls for the next couple of years and then move to a city like San Francisco or Los Angeles. If you like warm weather. And I thought that that was, 
interesting advice and it came from a caring place and it came from the place of somebody who does not have all the answers because right. I think like a movie-fied answer might have been like be loud and proud and be who you are but I think in real life you think like I don't want this person that I care about to be injured by the cruelty of the world you know right. and so because he said you're gonna get tortured so pretend right. you like girls until you can get out of here and and then later in the movie the same night that they go to that the same night that Davis and Karen go to that um, benefit thing where he brings her inappropriately and um, Chris sneaks out of the house and goes to a club and then him and another guy are like walking down the road and they get jumped by like six guys and he gets beat up really badly and yeah that was terrible and and that sort of is like a catalyst for like Karen and Davis to kind of go their separate ways for a little while mm -hmm. oh because at that time also like Davis has found out that his wife was pregnant as we talked about earlier yeah. and Carl beat him up and Carl beat him up at that time and so and then um and then Chris writes him a letter at the end to tell him hey go to Pier 47 at 11 o'clock and he got to see a building like be collapsed and Chris says in the letter like also Karen my mom left Carl just in case you were wondering and then you see Davis like sees a group of kids just running uh, along the beach and he like runs and beats them so he finally gets to run fast you know and he also like you see him sort of mend fences with phil and he's like i want to do a memorial i think that the the foundation is a good idea but i want to do a different memorial for julia there was love between us but i just didn't care for it the way i should have and i thought that right. that was a very poignant thing to say like i did love her but maybe not in the right way for somebody who married her you know yeah and i should have yeah. i shouldn't have neglected that love but i did and this is where we are now and i want to do something for her and so they they he like there's like the storyline with like this carousel that needs restoration and they restore it for, i did really like that i thought that that was cool yeah and they put it on the seashore and it's called julia's carousel and it's it's a very i think they spend about as much time on the carousel as i wanted them to like i wouldn't yeah. have liked it if it was like this big storyline i just like that it's representative of the fact that he did love her in a way and he is sad that she's gone and he does want her legacy to live on and he's not a jackass he just has been sleeping his whole life you know yeah 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 this i think sounds like he was asleep most of the relationship i mean or all of it really and i think to me the saddest part of this film is marrying someone that you just don't really feel very strongly for like why are you doing that well it's not even just why are you doing that but why are you doing this to this other person when this other person can go out and they can find someone who feels deeply passionately for them you know and who wants to spend time with them and and wants to be with them but I kind it, of, you know, I kind of got the, I agree with you, like in a general, like in a general way, I agree with you, but I kind of got the feeling that she was doing the same thing to him. Yeah, I could see that. Like marriage is like, she came from a very, like a wealthy family who had it all together. And I think that it just kind of seemed like this is what we have to do. And neither one of them knew, like, I think the movie would have played out the same if he had died and she had survived. I think she would have gone through almost the same 
maybe not manifesting itself in the way his did with like demolishing and stuff but I feel like the implication in the movie is that she would have said the same thing like I don't know anything about him I thought he was hot at a party and we had sex and then we got married you know right yeah that's what it felt like to me at least like because I could see that I could see that it I to me it seemed like she was a little bit more into him than he was into her but I don't know maybe maybe I was wrong you know like because I could see what you mean I could see what you mean where she is maybe a little bit more checked out or she's as checked out as he is and obviously she you know was struggling with I'm sure feelings of intimacy or lack of you know adequate intimacy with her husband and that's why she sought it elsewhere and I mean I don't really blame her you know like I mean I don't like <laughs> you could talk to your husband and say hey I'm not happy but I also think sometimes when you're miserable it happens you know it's you seek you seek out the things that make you feel good even if you know it's not the best way to go you know and it's like mom that show you know it's it's about a bunch of people who are recovering from alcoholism and drugs and stuff like that and and they have to find things that are not alcohol and drugs that give them the joys that they want to feel in life, you know? And it's, so I think that with Julia, it's just the whole, just the whole idea is just very sad to me because they're, you know, it just seems like they're, they both could have had something really great with someone else, but they just kind of stuck with each other, even though they were both not really feeling it. And I actually also think that they could have had something really great with each other if yeah. one of them had just maybe stepped forward and right. made that first attempt. Because I don't think, I don't, I, I've never viewed the movie as they should have. Okay. I've, I've never I've only watched the movie twice, so to say I've never is kind of like hyperbolic, but I haven't watched the movie and thought they should have gotten divorced. I've watched it and thought they probably could have had a really amazing thing if they would have just like made more effort. Right. Like what all it takes, I think, is one of them to make an effort and then the other person to be like, Yeah, I'd like to make an effort too, and then you, you have something going that's better than it was before but obviously if the other person is like not interested then then yeah you you shouldn't stay together but I never got the vibe that they were bad for each other I just got the vibe that they didn't really know each other and neither one of them maybe had the tools to try to change that right that makes right. sense well I think there could be a certain point where you just don't want to try yeah you know mm -hmm. you're like you know this isn't really working and i could give it an effort but i don't know if i really want to you know and and if you make an effort and the person is never reciprocating it makes making the effort yeah like why am I, why try well because that's kind of the impression i got that she made more of an effort than he did and he just was he just didn't care he wasn't responding you know and it, I don't know. Uh, I do think you're right. Earlier you said there could have been more character development with Julia, and I think you're right. 
I would have liked more scenes. Be- there was the scenes we got between them were pretty brief flashes, and well, and it was usually just them like cuddling. It wasn't like them t- really talking, mm-hmm. except in the beginning, you know. Yeah, but and I think it just seems like they're both irritated at each other in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they're in the car together. Yeah. So I think a little bit more of her would have been interesting um, just to see where she's coming from. But I also like that we're kind of in Davis's shoes and we know not a lot about her and yeah. like he does. So I think it works in that way. But I do think you're not wrong. I do agree with you that it would be nice to see a little bit more of her. What I was thinking while I was watching this movie, I was like, at least they don't have the dead wife footage. <laughs> That's true. They don't They don't have that tropey, like, oh, what are you doing? Stop. Stop. Stop recording Stop me. me. I'm on I the toilet. It. Stop. Yeah. Stop. They're like, you're so beautiful. And they're like, I know. Stop. <laughs> Mike sent me a clip. Mike sent me a clip of uh, a Hallmark Christmas movie. So awful. So a guy and a woman are sitting at a table and the woman is like focused on her phone because she's obviously the businesswoman who needs to wake up, you know, like, and he's woke. He's like Christmas woke. Well, he's Christmas woke. He's wearing fatigues. So it's like woke for like white people. (laughs) He's Christmas woke. He knows what's up. He's wearing fatigue, so he's an he's an army guy, you know. Right, of course. Hallmark loves the army guys. So she was sitting there all alone because no. he's invisible. Well, they were working. They, he's camouflage. Oh. <laughs> you know, Christmas camouflage. Really, they haven't introduced that yet, but it would be like Christmas bulbs and stuff and like evergreen. <laughs> They're like people just like dress as a tree and they have to like shuffle around yes. like just on like their two feet. Like that tree's moving. <laughs> So, um, so they're, Dad, why is that tree moving? they're working together for some, something. I don't know. He just sent me a clip and she's like focused on her phone and the guy is looking at her and the guy says out loud, beautiful. Like he's saying she's beautiful. <laughs> and she goes, hmm, what? And he goes, your mom's house, the way she decorated, it's beautiful. And I was like, why? If he's, if he has the, like, if he has the weird mental issue where he says things like that out loud, why can't he just say you look very beautiful or right. why can't what there's a lot going on that's wrong with that, but it was so stupid. It was so dumb. Like I, I hate that. I hate that everyone in those movies is like coy yeah. to the point of a, being obnoxious, but I also hate that he, uh said it out loud for what what reason did he say it out loud like she oh oh beautiful like oh my gosh and then mike said i was texting him oh, we were texting about it and mike said well maybe his time in the military has caused him to go mad <laughs> and that made me laugh <laughs> like he hasn't seen a woman in a long time you know <laughs> oh man well anyway. you know what it's that time of year to bring up the folders the incest folders <laughs> commercial <laughs> That commercial. That's it. I, yeah. just, I don't have anything to say. The about incest. It. I just to bring it up. What, what does she say to him? You're my present this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He like comes home and they're like obviously like eye fucking each other like majorly. <laughs> like they're both like tearing each other's clothes off like in their minds. And she's like, You're my brother. And he's like, Yep. And you're my sister. And I'm like, I don't believe it for a second. These two are <laughs> definitely doing it. <laughs> they're in Folger's love with each other. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, did I tell you that one time I was talking to my mom and I was like talking about the incest folders commercial and she goes, 
oh yeah i saw that this morning and i cried oh jeez <laughs> i was like mom that's the incest folder it reminds me of like you and i talking where i'm like have you seen this awful thing and you're like oh my gosh i cried through it <laughs> yes <laughs> yes that's totally it you're like this is the worst was- thing i've ever seen and i'm like really it changed my life that was our podcast that was our podcast on a micro level (laughs) you and your mom's conversation about the Folgers commercial (laughs) like oh if you are listeners i have had not seen this is a Folgers commercial like i think all you have to do is like youtube incestful commercial and it will pop right up it will pop up and you'll know because the eye fucking is like it's like a porno but in their eyes <laughs> it's so crazy uh it's worth it though because it's just kind of weird and hilarious and awkward so check it out check it out so lauren would you recommend this movie <laughs> um honestly i'm a little on the fence about it because i didn't like it just because it wasn't my cup of tea but it certainly could be other people's cup of tea like yours you liked it um so i would say yeah i I'm, i would kind of go like a like a wavery yeah it's like it's like you know you can check it out this is what it's about you might like it but if you're like me and you're just like i, I mean i don't know it's this is normally this is normally a type of movie that I would actually really like, so I was kind of surprised that I didn't, but there was just something about it that didn't speak to me, you know? So it's it's a big, like, eh, like not no, but not yes at the same time. So I don't really have an answer for you. <laughs> what about you? Would you recommend this movie? I would recommend this movie. I think it's, I, I, I find it very poetic. It's not a perfect movie. It has has some um self shooting scene is the shooting scene is really bad it has some self-righteous issues i think i think um i think there's there's a concept that i've known my whole life or not my whole i've known for a very long time when it comes to artistic work it's kill your darlings Mm -hmm. that concept and i think that this movie maybe would benefit from somebody like going over it who has no vested interest in it and being like this is what we need to change but overall i think it's a very very beautiful journey and it's a very beautiful story and i think um jake gyllenhaal does a really has a really good performance and yeah i if you just don't pay attention to the shooting scene which is just awful and stupid and pointless i really would i really would recommend this movie I, i I, I really don't understand why they put that scene in there other than to make Chris look like a psychopath. And he, was and he not wasn't a psychopath. A psychopath. Yeah. Like, he's victimized really badly later on in the movie. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, it's just it, like, they try to make him look really tough with the, like saying fuck too much. Mm-hmm. But then when Davis pointed out, Hey, it makes you sound unintelligent when you use it so much and you don't use it as you know i mean it's it is and i totally agree with him fuck is a great word but if you're using it every other word then it doesn't it's not a great word anymore it just loses its meaning and so i there was kind of that part where i thought that maybe they're trying to make him look tougher but it was i thought that they're the whole thing with chris with the shooting thing was just very bizarre like because it was 
they were trying to show that he was just a regular kid, but then that I was like, but is he? Because and just the stupid- troublesome. You yeah. Know? Yeah, and the stupidity of the gun handling. Like, that yeah. should be the easiest thing to just fix. Yeah. Like, just handle the gun in the barest, the entire scene. most minimum detail, handle the gun with wisdom and uh, care and attention. And then, well, yeah, cut out the whole scene because it's well, stupid. It's like, but also, then just, where did he even get the gun Well, from? he said it was Carl's gun. Oh, oh, that's right, but, that's right, that's right. Like, so just, the, like, just the basics of the scene are bothersome and then obviously that he seems like a psychopath yeah and he has no problem shooting someone twice when he could kill like it's like there's no respect there is no respect for a deadly weapon and that's egregiously offensive because uh davis's character even if he even if here's the thing even if davis had no fear of death because he didn't feel anything i think he would still responsibly care about if chris got injured or killed or right. killed somebody right and i think that's why the scene is so bothersome and irresponsible because you can illustrate somebody having no fear of death without somebody also being negligent with another person's right. life well and also and, if something if davis did die from this this kid's probably gonna go to prison right yeah you know? like i mean <laughs> And it's, it's like, so you're going to put an innocent kid in prison because you're being a fucking idiot about your gun, like a gun? Like, you're the adult here, Davis. What are we doing? They were treating it like it was a toy weapon. Yeah. And that is, is just um, offensive on many counts. But yeah, uh, other than that, I would recommend the movie. And thanks again to Isabella. Yes, thank you. I, uh, I thought that you would like it more until... I realized you didn't and until I started watching it again when I saw it for the second time I was like okay (laughs) I don't think that she's gonna like it but Isabella I like it and I appreciate you requesting it yes and I do too even though I didn't feel the same way and please anyone in our future do not discourage you like do not let this discourage you from sending us something that you want to serve you um we may not always like it, but you have to also be at it's the cost. It's the cost of doing business. It is. It is. And also you have to remember that we're two people with our own, you know, thoughts and feelings about it. And, and we're not going to like everything that someone else likes. So, but then there's always one that's, you know, surprise us. Sometimes you think you go into a movie, not liking it, and then you end up liking it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but i robot was like that for me was it i thought it was going to be really stupid and then uh i saw it and i really liked it i love um what's his name not will smith alan shia labeouf no although whenever i think of shia labeouf did you did you i'm sure you have have you seen the snl thing with him and maya rudolph yeah we've talked about it yeah (laughs) i fucking love that it's like my favorite thing shia you make me feel so alive (laughs) i just love that i love that one scene where she goes do what my favorite movie of yours is and he goes uh is it holes and she goes yeah big time (laughs) like her vagina (laughs) love it yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Thank you for explaining that joke. Uh, Sam does have this like habit of explaining jokes, but it's the funniest fucking thing. I don't know. It's like 
it's just so good <laughs> anyway you can follow us on instagram and watch us movies you can follow us at uh facebook at watchers and movies if you like our stuff and you want us to review something that you like you can send us uh, an email at watchersandmovies at gmail.com or you can give us five stars on iTunes because that helps us, helps us get out there and you can write the name of the movie that you want us to review and we will put it at the top of our list. Other than that, if you just want to send us via email, it's going to take some time. It's probably going to be a couple months before we'll be able to review your thing, but we'll you know it will it will go on our list we're not gonna like put it at the end <laughs> so don't worry we will do it it just won't happen immediately um and right now we have this whole kind of next couple movies uh set up for december they're gonna be more like christmas themed or whatever and anyway um if you know you want to listen to us you can just google us we're everywhere <laughs> we're everywhere it's part of my itunes Anyway, uh, and thanks so much to Mike for our theme music. Yeah, thanks, Mike. You can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show Forty Two. His name is Mike Myers. And last night he was on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling SmackDown post show podcast. So if you're interested in pro wrestling, check that out. It was a very fun episode. Uh, Mike made a lot of really good points, and he did a really good job and it was a fun conversation between them and the people that called in. So if Yay. that's part of your interest, look it up on the pwtorch.com website. Awesome. Does that sound like an old person, the pwtorch.com no, website? I, bit, I could just I say it. pwtorch.com, but anyway, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. And uh, if you, we have another Instagram called the watchers who find things. So follow us on there if you want, but uh, please subscribe and follow us uh, on Instagram and Facebook and wherever you listen to podcasts because we update all the time. We update every week and that's how you can keep up with us. You know, that's the best way to do it. And also if you follow us on Instagram and Facebook, we update it the week. Well, yeah, it's like about the week before we're going to do it. Usually on Tuesday is when I try and update it and you will know what we're going to be doing next. So you'll be uh, you'll just be faster than everyone else in knowing and you'll be like I know and I'm in the inside group even though you're not because everyone can get on Instagram whatever I don't know I'm just rambling but thank you so much for listening <laughs> bye 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 <laughs>